Happy New Year, everyone, and Merry Christmas. It is still Christmas. Christmas is more than one day. It is 12 days long. And of course, happy recovery from COVID, which if you are like me and most other people I know, you got over Christmas and are now recovering from. Yes, the Knowles family, like so many of you, celebrated Christmas and the New Year with a full-blown case of the Rona, which frankly was perfectly fine in my opinion because it gave all Americans one of the greatest Christmas presents of all. As COVID spread through the country like wildfire among the vaccinated and the unvaccinated, conservative and liberal alike, the liberal establishment completely changed its story on the virus and the vaccines and even the masks. It turns out that we conservatives, we skeptics, we ordinary normal people were completely right about everything. And they, the libs and the establishmentarians and all the rest of them, were completely wrong about everything. And we are finally being vindicated in 2022 for something that we knew all the way back in 2020 before two years of 15 days to slow the spread. Fa la 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 la, la 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 la. I'm Michael Knowles, this is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment from our last episode, what was that? A week ago, two weeks ago from Yazgirl7 says, I shared your shows on my Facebook and they have restricted my account saying that fact checkers said the info I was sharing is false. I'm so mad. The media is so full of lies and I have to listen to shows like yours to get the truth. Well, it's very kind. Thank you for listening to, to the show to get the truth. I'm sorry that your Facebook account was restricted because you shared uh, my shows, which said true things and not false things. But the, the silver lining here, the good news is that because the establishment has completely changed its tune on COVID, on, on the vax, on the virus, on the masks, on the mitigation efforts, on just the whole thing, and now they agree with me and what I've been saying for two years, uh, maybe you'll get your Facebook account back. But more likely, probably not, because the uh, ruling class really has no integrity whatsoever. So you got to do things for yourself. You've got to improve your lot in life yourself through prayer, right? Through the grace of God and also through your own effort and cooperation. And when you want to work on yourself, I'd recommend you check out Echelon. I love my Echelon. I, tr I really do. I hate working out. I hate going to the gym and truly never do that. But I love my Echelon because Echelon brings the gym home. When you want to reach your fitness goals, a lot of people are thinking about that these days. It really helps to have world-class instructors like Nicole Griffin and Michael Brown choreographing classes with music from your favorite artists. You get a community of hundreds of thousands of people who can give you that extra push. Echelon gives you that. Echelon is the affordable way to get the workout equipment, the workout community, and an instructor's motivation right in the comfort of your own home. With Echelon, you can work out anytime, day or night, crush your fitness goals. We put the baby to bed, I'll go up and do an echelon class. You can do it 10 minutes, 20 minutes, do an hour, hour and a half. It's really whatever uh, you are most focused on, most comfortable with. You can obviously change it over time. It's great. Right now for a limited time, podcast listeners get up to $800 off MSRP. To get this exclusive podcast discount, text Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, to 818181. Text Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, to 818181 to get 800 bucks off MSRP. That is Knowles. Text it to 818181. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. I had COVID. I had it. 
I know a lot, not, not all of you had COVID, but I had it. I had, I had the real COVID. We had a test. The test was positive. It was the real deal. I now am fully convinced as a result of getting COVID again and this test that what I had two years ago before we had tests was also COVID because it was the same thing, except this time it was a little more mild. The symptoms of COVID, as reported in Yahoo News, this is from a study uh, from Norway. They said the symptoms of COVID, the most common symptoms are cough, runny or stuffy nose, fatigue and lethargy, sore throat, headache, and fever and then to a lesser degree, reduced taste and reduced smell. Meaning that the symptoms of COVID are the symptoms of the common cold or the flu, as we've been saying from the beginning. I don't totally want to undersell it. It it was worse than a lot of colds I've had. And some people had it worse than other people. I had it worse than some of my other friends. I've said on this show now for months, I don't think it's a good idea to publicize one's vaccine status uh, because we are living in a biomedical security state where you can lose your entire life and livelihood if you you, uh, don't go along with whatever the whims of the ruling class are on the vaccines. Uh, So I, I, I don't think it's a good idea for you or anyone else to publicize that you haven't had the vaccine or you have had the vaccine or you got 17 boosters or whatever. All I will tell you is my whole family had COVID over the break. A a number of my friends all around the country had COVID over the break. Some of those people were not vaccinated. Some of those people were vaccinated. Some of those people are super duper COVID crazy and had the boosters and are as gung-ho on the Fauci advice as they could possibly be. And I'm just speaking anecdotally, there was no rhyme or reason to who got COVID. There was no rhyme or reason to who got it more severely or less severely. Some people who were not vaccinated got COVID the mildest of all. Some people who were vaccinated and boosted got COVID really, really bad. We were also told that children and babies don't deal with COVID as terribly as adults do. I'll tell you just anecdotally, little baby Knowles, my son, apple of my eye, 11 months old, he had it worse than any of us did. And so I'm not merely saying that we were right about everything and that the fear mongers were wrong about everything. I'm I'm also pointing out that the elite ruling class who have told us they know the science and they're following all the science and we have to trust them, they have no idea what they're talking about. And the things that they told us about the virus, the things they told us about the vaccines, the things they told us about the masks and the mitigation efforts, they were just wrong. They were just bunk. And now they are admitting it. The only reason that I'm probably, I hope this episode of the show doesn't get taken off of the internet is because I am now agreeing with the ruling class and the media and the public health experts and the politicians who just so happen to have adopted the things that I've been saying for two years where I have at various times been censored, like like that lady in the comments uh, earlier said, that sometimes the shows will be taken off of YouTube. I, I, I want to point out the what I'm describing is just an anecdote, right? my experience of COVID, my family, my friends, but the plural of anecdote is data. <laughs> Okay, you get enough anecdotes and then you've got data. And what we are seeing, even the ruling class say now, is that the reality of this virus is very different than they told us it would be. The libs used to tell us when they first sold us on the vaccines 
They told us that the vaccines were going to stop you from contracting the virus or transmitting the virus. There's been over a 20 to 1 return. If you had put that money into an S&P 500 and reinvested the dividends, you'd come up with something like $17 billion, but you think it's $200 billion. Here, yeah. You're okay. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. These vaccines are highly, highly effective. Vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick. They're really, really good against variants. Everyone who takes the vaccine is not just protecting themselves, but reducing their transmission. Uh, to other people and allowing society to get back to normal. Get your first shot, and when you're due for your second, get your second shot. Our key goal is to stop the transmission, to get the immunity levels up so that you get almost no, almost no uh, infection going on whatsoever. When people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not going to get infected. So you heard, you heard it from the horse's mouth, or maybe some other part of the horse. What they said is, if you get the vaccines, you won't contract the virus. You won't get it. If you get the vaccines, you won't transmit the virus. The vaccines are really, really good against variants. None of that is true. We know that's false. We know that's false in part because we have our own eyes and our own ears and and our own bodies and people have gotten infected, even if they have been vaccinated in a lot of cases. But we also know it's the case now because even those people, all those same people who are peddling those lies admit that that it's not true. What they can't do anymore is prevent transmission. You know, we didn't have vaccines that block transmission. We got vaccines that help you with your health, but they only slightly reduce the transmission. So we need a new, a new way of doing the vaccine. The level of virus in the nasopharynx of a person who's vaccinated and infected is the same level as the level of virus in the nasopharynx of an unvaccinated person. Reports from our international colleagues, including Israel, suggest increased risk of severe disease amongst those vaccinated early. And if you look at Israel, Mm -hmm. which has always been a month to a month and a half ahead of us, they are seeing a waning of immunity, not only against infection, but against hospitalizations and to some extent, death. The booster might actually be an essential part of the primary regimen that people should have. You get the idea. It goes on and on. (laughs) None of the things they originally told us turned out to be true about the vaccines. Now, do not let them get away with this. Do not let them tell you, as some people are now insisting, as a lot of people are now insisting, that the purpose of vaccines is not to prevent infection or transmission. The purpose of vaccines is just to uh, mitigate certain symptoms of a virus or a disease. That, that isn't true. They're just changing the definition of a vaccine. You don't get the polio vaccine so that you get milder symptoms of polio. You don't get the hepatitis vaccine so that you get just a slightly weaker form of hepatitis. You get these vaccines to prevent you from being infected in the first place. And that's exactly what they promised us the COVID vaccines would do. And you heard it. Don't, don't accuse me of misinformation, Facebook or YouTube or whatever. You heard it from the very people, the very public health experts who then changed their story and relieved themselves on our legs and decided to tell us that it's raining. This is why. I know some people have this idea still that the vaccines are the greatest thing ever invented and they're just so impressive and they're just so wonderful and everyone's got to get them. Okay, let 
Let's say that's all true. Let's just give you that for a second. It is simply a fact that the vaccines don't do what they told us they would do, which is why the the people pushing this stuff have no credibility because they were wrong. That's not our fault. That's not the fault of the skeptics. And that's not the fault of the people who are spreading information around YouTube. It's their fault. They got it wrong. So they don't have credibility. And people are absolutely 100% justified in not believing what these craven, lying, deceptive, dishonest incompetence tell us. A U.S. Navy warship is being held right now off of uh, the coast of South America. It's not, or rather it's being held off the coast of America and not deploying to South America uh, because of an outbreak of COVID. There's an outbreak of COVID on the USS Milwaukee. It uh, is not not deploying because there's an outbreak among a 100% vaccinated crew. (laughs) Crew, totally, you, uh, you have to get vaccinated over your medical objections, over your religious objections, especially if you're in the military, tough, you're not getting an exemption, you have to get vaccinated. That's because we need a fighting force that's ready to deploy, except we can't because even with a 100% vaccinated crew, there's still an outbreak of COVID. If there are debilitating outbreaks that prevent ships from fulfilling their mission, even with 100% vaccination, then the vaccines are not doing their job, period. And the ruling class knows it. And so they're giving up the narrative. Now, Joe Biden comes out and he's changing his tune. Do you remember, do you remember when he was running for president? He, it's hard to say he even ran for president because he mostly hid in his basement for the whole time and just waited for corrupt election officials in, in his crony states to change the rules to make it easier for him to win. But, but he, in some way, he did a few campaign events at least. And he went out there. What did he say? He said, I've got a federal plan. And I, as president, am going to shut down the virus. I'll put in place a plan to deal with this pandemic responsibly. I've already done it. I've said it before. I'm not going to shut down the economy. I'm not going to shut down the country, but I'm going to shut down the virus. Before. I'm not going to shut down the economy. I'm not going to shut down the country. I'm going to shut down the virus. What I would say is I'm going to shut down the virus, not the country. I'm not going to shut down the country. I'm going to shut down the virus. All right, that's enough. <laughs> you could go on for probably 15 minutes because Joe Biden, he, he knows not very many things, but he, he sticks to what he knows. Right? He's, that was the, look, we've got a federal plan. Trump didn't shut down the virus. We're going to shut down the virus when I'm president. That was then, this is now, and now he's, he's not going to shut down the virus. Look, there is no federal solution. This gets solved at a state level. Okay. There's no federal solution. He's not going to shut down the virus. If you want the virus to be shut down, it's going to happen at the state level. There is nothing the federal government can do, according to Joe Biden. All right, better late than never. (laughs) Except that it's so cynical. It's so opportunistic. This was always true. There was never going to be any solution. It was always true. Now we have CNN's medical analyst, saying that the cloth masks don't work. The cloth masks never worked. Well, the cloth masks aren't going to stop an airborne, right? We knew the virus was airborne. They were, the the CNN medical analyst, Leanna Wu says that the cloth masks are nothing but facial decorations. Yeah, that was always true. We always knew that. 
So why are they admitting it now? The vaccines don't prevent infection or transmission. All of the public health officials now admit that, but it was always true. So why are they admitting it now? There's no federal solution to shut down the virus. That was always true. Why are they admitting it now? They're admitting it now. I actually have an answer to this. Some people seem really flummoxed, even on the right. They say, why? Why? What's going on? I don't get it. I get it. Here's why. Because the ruling class has already gotten what it wanted out of COVID. It already got what it wanted out of making everyone wear the masks and forcing everyone to comply with the vaccine mandates and shutting down the society and taking power. They already got that. The public health establishment already got the power. We've already reordered the relationship between the citizen and the state. The, the vaccine mandates are going into effect. The regulatory state and the citizen and private employers, now there's, there's a new balance of power there. It's much more on the side of the government. There's already been a massive transfer of wealth, the largest transfer of wealth in human history from the lower classes to the upper class shutting down of small businesses, lots more power and money to big businesses. That already happened. The power grab at the governmental and corporate level has already taken place over these very long two weeks to slow the spread, the two weeks that turned in to two years. So they got it. So you don't really need to keep it up anymore. It, that's done. Now the, the COVID lockdown state is having diminishing political returns for the ruling class. This was always the one issue that Biden was ahead on. He was losing on the economy. He was losing on foreign policy. He was losing on oil. He was losing on manufacturing. He was losing on everything except for COVID. That was the one area where his approval rating was a little bit higher. But now that's tanked too. And so this is a big loser for them. There's really nowhere else to go. They've already taken the power. So they move on. And their puppets in the corporate media are dutifully doing their part to downplay the virus. Chris Hayes, on MSNBC, now says that COVID, why, by golly, it's just like the flu. There are still people, many people, millions, who are immunocompromised or who are otherwise vulnerable due to age or medical conditions. But for the people who don't fall into that category, and we're talking about, you know, 150 million people, maybe or more, those people who are vaccinated, particularly those who are boosted, you know, the risk, the personal risk of, of being exposed to this went from something that we hadn't really dealt with specifically like this before in our lifetimes. We hadn't quite had an illness this infectious and this possible to cause serious illness to something that does look more like the flu. And the flu, of course, can still be dangerous, kills tens of thousands of Americans every year, but we don't orient our lives around the flu. So that's closer to the level of risk that, you know, 200 million Americans or less than that are now dealing with. And then when you add in the sheer exhaustion, many people feel, and I don't have to tell you this, I'm sure, because you're just feeling this yourself, many of you, with the lengths of this disruption in their lives, obviously the politics of the pandemic are just completely different than they were earlier in the pandemic. Okay, there's the key. There is the key. What, the first thing he said is interesting too, but that second part is the real key. He says, and look, obviously, beyond the scientific stuff, there, it, politically, you just can't keep this up forever. Okay, so you're admitting, you're admitting that the way policy is being made on COVID is primarily not scientific, but primarily political. And you're really seeing that now from Dr. Fauci, which we'll get to in one second. But what about that first part? The first part he says is, look, the thing is, we're just going to have to live with COVID and COVID, you know, now it's just kind of like, it's a lot like the flu. Do you remember? I'm old enough to remember. I know it was a long time ago, but I'm old enough to remember when some of us 
said that two years ago. Said in some ways, in a lot of ways, this virus is like the flu. We called it the Wu flu, the Wuhan flu. Maybe it's a little deadlier. Maybe, although, you know, you got to look into these statistics, but sure, let's say it's deadly. Let's say it's significantly deadlier. Let's say that it's going to have a really tough run for a couple of years before the virulence of the virus diminishes and it becomes less of a pandemic, a global, you know, raging pandemic and more of just an endemic thing that we deal with every single year. It's, we're just going to live with it. We're not going to overcome it by shutting down society or wearing those dumb masks or anything. It's not, that's not going to stop it. We're not going to shut down the virus by shutting down society. Remember when we, we said all that? We said it's kind of like the flu. And we were accused of being spreaders of misinformation, of being murderers, of killing people. We were accused of being rubes and idiots and willfully ignorant And now the liberal establishment is saying everything that we said then. And they're, they're trying to, to cover their derrieres a little bit. So they're saying, well, no, but it's true now. We're, it's, uh, that's true now, but it wasn't true. No, it was, it was true. It was true then too. Because all the stuff you did to try to stop the virus and to stop transmission and to stop infection. And it didn't, it didn't work. It didn't really work, did it? And even Joe Biden's admitting that. Even Joe Biden is admitting there's just, there's just no national solution to this. So yes, we were right from the very beginning. And now the response is primarily political. And they're saying, we can't really keep this up anymore. We're having diminishing political returns. So we're just going to move on. And now you got to get back to work. Okay. That's what we're really being told. You've got to get back to work. The CDC formerly told us that when you get COVID, you need to quarantine for how long? About 10 days, maybe longer, but at least 10 days you've got to quarantine. Now they are saying that if, if you get COVID, you need to quarantine for five days. Now, I, I, I googled, I looked up on Google Scholar, on J, I, I tried to find the scientific reasoning for why they reduced the time from 10 days to five days. You, you won't find the scientific reasoning. The scientific reasoning is not there. There's nothing about the science that has changed from when they told us it should be a 10-day quarantine to a five-day quarantine. What changed is the politics. A lot of people are getting COVID. Many of you had it over Christmas. And so you all got to get back to work. We got to keep, we got to keep making money for that ruling class. Get back out there, folks. We actually do have some more work coming on here at the Daily Wire. We have a new series. It's called Face the Mob. Face the Mob. You know, we back in the pre-COVID days, in the in the days before everything went to pot, uh, I would go to a ton of schools every year and just engage with people, the sort of angry crowds, and they would yell at me, and then I would we would have an exchange, and we'd post these clips online. Uh, so since that's much more difficult to do now, and since a, a lot of uh, constructive debate doesn't usually happen in 280 characters on Twitter. We decided to uh, face the mob digitally. So that's out there now. First episode of that is up on YouTube. You can go check it out on my YouTube channel. It's a lot of fun to talk to people, some of whom agreed with me, many of whom disagreed with me. So go check that out. Also, Do Not Comply has taken on an entirely new meeting for The Daily Wire this week. This Friday, the Supreme Court will convene to hear arguments on the legality and constitutionality of the VAX mandate. That means that this week is going to be pivotal in our fight against the Biden administration's vaccine mandate. We've got over a million signatures on our do not comply petition currently. 
it's vital that the number increases before Friday. When you sign the petition at dailywire.com slash do not comply, you help us send the message that the American people will not comply. So go to dailywire.com slash do not comply right now. We're counting on your help to uh, help us put a stop to this disgusting, horrible, un-American, tyrannical federal overreach. We'll be right back with a lot more. The CDC has changed its mind again, just in time for you to get off the couch and get back to work and start making us some money. Darn it. Uh, Rochelle Walensky, the head of the CDC, goes on CNN, says, uh, cut that quarantine time in half and start bringing in those dollars for Big Daddy. I want to start with the change in the CDC guidance that cuts the isolation period in half if you're asymptomatic. So how did the CDC settle on five days for everyone? Good morning, Caitlin. Thanks for having me. So we looked at several areas of science here. First, the science of how much transmission happens in the period of time um, after you're infected. We know that the most amount of transmission occurs in those one to two days before you develop symptoms, those two to three days after you develop symptoms. And if you map that out, those five days account for somewhere between 85 to 90 percent of all transmission that occurs. And then finally, the behavioral science. What will people actually do when people need to get back to work? What is it that they will actually do? And if we can get them to isolate, we do want to make sure that they're isolating in those first five days when they're maximally infectious. So from what you're saying, it sounds like this decision had just as much to do with business as it did with the science. Well, so it really had a lot to do with what um, we thought people would be able to tolerate. Even CNN is on to the game. Even, you see, because they, they always lead with the science and they say, well, actually, you know, what we've learned is that you're more likely to spread a virus uh, in the early days of getting it than in the later days. Yeah, duh. That, of course, that's <laughs> true of every virus. That's always been true. Yeah. And so we just decided we were going to cut the time in half. And then even CNN, you know, can't keep a straight face. And they say, so this is just politics, right? This is just because you want to make more money that you're telling people to, well, uh, and then she admits it. Rochelle Walensky admits it. She says, yeah, yeah, this is about what people will tolerate and what they're going to do. So in other words, this is primarily about politics. This always has been primarily about politics and they're finally admitting it. Even Dr. Fauci is admitting it. Dr. Fauci goes on TV, his favorite place to be, most dangerous place in the world, is not in a COVID hotspot. It's the space between Dr. Fauci and a television camera. Dr. Fauci goes on and he says, yeah, just get back to work. The purpose of it was, is that given the wave, the extraordinary unprecedented wave of infections that we are experiencing now and will certainly experience more of in the next few weeks, that there is the danger that there will be so many people who are being isolated, who are asymptomatic for the full 10 days, that you could have a major negative impact on our ability to keep society running. So the decision was made, although it's not completely risk-free, of saying, let's get that cut in half so that we could have 50%, namely half of the 10 days, and 50% of that time people can actually be out with a mask in society. This weasel, listen to his language. The decision was made. Oh, the, oh, the decision was made. 
By whom was the decision made, doctor? The decision, it was, it was said, it was said by whom, you jerk? It's you. You did it. You, you guys did it. You cut it in half. But why? Because the science changed? No, we decided Mr. Bezos needed a little more money. We, we did not want you disgusting peasant workers to slack on your job. And, and we realized that if you all stayed home when you were sick, that uh, we wouldn't be able to make as much money for the uh, plutocratic ruling elite. So uh, it was decided by the science that you would have to go back to work. Okay. All right. You get the picture. You get the picture. They're barely hiding it at all now. Speaking of work, AOC took a little vacation and she's in hot trouble because of it. AOC went down. She left the tyrannical state of New York, her own state, and she went down to the free state of Florida. Good old DeSantis land where you can do what you want and breathe the fresh air and have a nice time. So she goes down to Florida while her constituents are dealing with a spike in COVID and spiking crime because of the bad policies that AOC in part is, is supporting and a spike in all sorts of misery in New York. I did go to New York briefly over Christmas. Not looking great. City has seen better days. Let's put it that way. So she goes, she abandons them. She goes to Florida on vacation. I don't really begrudge her her vacation, but it's a bad look. If you're going to make fun of Ted Cruz for going to Mexico and you're going to castigate him and yell at him over that, then What's good for the goose is good for the gander, AOC. And AOC was leading that charge, screaming at Ted Cruz because he went to a sunny place as there was, uh, as there were problems in his own state. And well, AOC did exactly the same thing. And so she got caught and she's a big old hypocrite, as we all know. And her response was so typical. She said the only reason people were criticizing her is because they want to date her, that Republican men really want to date her and she won't, she won't date them. And so they're criticizing her. I I saw someone on Twitter over the weekend asked if, uh, if you had a choice, would you rather date AOC or be banished to St. Helena? That's the island that they banished Napoleon to and that I suggest we banish Dr. Fauci to. Uh, Which would you, would you rather be banished to a far flung island or date AOC? And it was observed by some people that uh, you're only going to get peace and quiet in one of those situations. So choose carefully. Uh, Here's AOC's exact words, quote, if Republicans are mad, they can't date me. They can just say that instead of projecting their sexual frustrations onto my boyfriend's feet, you creepy weirdos, starting to get old, ignoring the very obvious, strange and deranged sexual frustrations that underpin the Republican fixation on me, women and LGBT plus people in general. Hold on, the sexual frustrations. So if you're critical of AOC, it's because you want to date her. And if you're critical of, say, the LGBT movement, it's because you want to date the dudes. So you're, you, you must be very sexually confused. If you, it's, you're really, you want to date the transsexuals and the homosexuals and AOC. You're, you want to date all these people. You can't make up your mind and none of your criticisms are legitimate. She says, these people clearly need therapy. They won't do it. And they use politics as their outlet. Instead, it's really weird. This is the same sort of thing that AOC said about the fake insurrection on January 6th. You know, the worst, the greatest threat ever, ever against America, ever in history. Uh, She said that she was almost raped on January 6th. She was almost raped by the 
insurrectionists. And then we found out, actually, she wasn't even in the Capitol. She was in her office building, which was a considerable distance from the Capitol. And the insurrectionists, quote unquote, didn't get anywhere near her office. Actually, it was just a cop who was showing up there just to make sure she was safe, just to protect her. And the thought that she was about to be raped was entirely in her own delusion. It was entirely in her own head. This woman... I want to be really polite about this. I don't want to, I don't want to be rude. This woman has an extremely inflated sense of her own attractiveness. She, she is not, I, I, I don't know, man. I'm just speaking for myself. I don't want to date AOC. I do not now, nor have I ever wanted to date AOC. I don't know any Republican who wants to date AOC. I don't want to be rude and say mean things about a woman's appearance or personality or, but lady, you, she needs a reality check. And I suppose that's true in many areas, philosophically, ideologically, politically. The reason that her comment is interesting is not because of just how juvenile it is and how divorced from reality it is. But because it actually is part of the kind of broader left-wing reaction to conservative criticism, which is to reject the legitimacy of any criticism of their political agenda and to pathologize all of it. The left always dismiss, dismisses conservative criticism of their agenda as the result of some usually sexual mental illness, some kind of pathology. Lionel Trilling said this back in the 20th century. He said that there is no conservative intellectual movement in America. It's just a series of irritable mental gestures. The reason conservatives uh, perhaps object to redefining marriage or our sexual ethic is not because they recognize that the human body has a nature, that our, sp- our soul and our body have something to do with one another, that the body has a purpose, and that there is a fundamental political building block of society such as the family. We could go on and on and on. It's not because of any reasonable arguments. It's because they're phobes. You know, they're haters. They're ists the sexists and the racists and the phobes. And that's why it's all irrational. And so what they need is not a vigorous debate to determine how we want to proceed as a society. What they need is not deliberation and persuasion. What they need is therapy. What they need is to go be put on some drugs or what they need is to go just be brainwashed. They need, or they need to be ostracized from society. Speaking of sex stuff, France, France is on the verge of blocking the major porn sites. France, not the most sexually responsible people that has ever existed. France, one of the most lecherous, licentious societies in the history of the world, is about to ban porn. Why? Because the major porn sites are not willing to ensure that their users are over the age of 18. And so a France's higher audiovisual council gave a bunch of porn sites a, a deadline 
for, for these new restrictions, after which they, would, they said they would seek a court order to block access to the sites. This is a, a debate that's gone on in the United States and throughout the West for a number of years now. Should we do something about porn? Porn is everywhere, high-speed internet, ubiquitous porn on every phone, on every computer, on, and kids as young as three can access it. And this is probably not good, and it's leading to a lot of problems. It's leading to a lot of physical and sexual problems for people, especially young men. It's leading to a lot of relationship problems. It's leading to a lot of social pathologies, horrible, skewed perceptions of women and the way that men and women relate to one another. And it's just bad. It's just not good. Right? So can we do something about it? And you have the libs and often libertarians who want to pretend that hardcore porn is as American as apple pie and a natural right protected by the Constitution and enshrined in the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men are created equal and they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, um, among which are life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, and the right to watch like three chicks and a goat do whatever they're going to do on the internet. Is that, that's in the Declaration? I don't think so, Buster. I don't think you have any right to porn at all. And contrary to the protestations of the libs and many libertarians, you can't, you can just ban porn. You can do it. You can ban it. Or you can, at the very least, heavily restrict it. You can. But we can't ban. Yes, you can. You can. It's fine. We can. We have heavily restricted porn for most of American history. And even France is doing it. For goodness sakes, if... France has the moral high ground on sexual matters. Something has gone wrong in your society. And <laughs> it's time that we reclaim that. We can do it. We have not just individual rights and increasingly few individual rights, but we also have higher political rights. That's the right of a community to set standards. And for the past 30, 40 years, what the left has duped the right into believing is that the only thing that matters is the individual right. And then they make up a bunch of individual rights. The individual right to sleep with whoever you want, the individual right to redefine marriage, the individual right to mutilate your body so you look more like a woman if you're a man or vice versa, the individual right to look at porn, the individual right to do drugs, the individual right to do all. You don't, those aren't real rights, first of all. And one of the reasons those aren't real rights is because they contradict the the true good and the common good, but they also contradict the political rights of a community to set standards. Communities have the right to pass blue laws and say that you can't buy alcohol on Sundays, for instance. That's always been recognized as a right in America. We have the right to restrict certain obscenity in the public square. We have the right to restrict certain pathological behaviors. And we have the right, just as France realizes, to restrict porn. So do it. We got to do it. Speaking of different views of sex around the world, this coming March, Iran will officially join the UN Commission on the Status of Women. Uh, A lot of people think this is uh, very silly because women have uh, some restrictions on their rights and liberties in Iran, to say the least. So people are really attacking this. I think really before we accuse them, maybe we ought to take a look at ourselves. It is very silly that Iran finds itself on the, uh, the Council on the Status of Women for the United Nations. That is very silly. 
But instead of dunking on Iran, maybe we ought to just take a little look in the mirror, okay? Because women in America are increasingly miserable. This is not a wonderful paradise for women. Women don't actually have it all that great in America these days, and it's getting worse and worse. Since second wave feminism over the past 50 or so years, as can be measured by social scientists, women's happiness has declined, both in absolute terms and relative to the happiness of men. They're getting more and more and more miserable. Today, because of the transgender movement, women are losing their ability to use their own bathrooms. Women are uh, losing the ability to, to compete on their own sports teams. Women are lo- All the awards now are going to men who are pretending to be women. What is the great freedom of women in America? What a lot of liberals would tell you is that women have it so great in America because they have the right to to do porn. They have the right to go on OnlyFans.com and sell their bodies like they are just flesh and make some money prostituting themselves. That's one of the women in Iran don't have that right. But in, so that's why it's wrong for Iran to be on the UN Women's Council, but it's good for America too. Women in America, they don't have to deal with the patriarchy of one man loving them for their entire lives and having a stable marriage and a stable building block of society. No, no, women in America have it much better. They uh, get to be used by men for decades until they're no longer as physically attractive. And then they get to be discarded and they get to spend the rest of their lives alone working in the widget factory. Isn't that, isn't that so great? Our, wow, wow. We need to give lectures to everybody. Hmm, maybe not. Maybe actually, can't believe I'm saying this, but maybe some of the feminists who are critical of things like our hookup culture, some of the feminists who are critical of some of the excesses of second wave feminism, maybe some of the conservatives who have been critical of this whole project, maybe they have a point. And maybe Maybe we're actually not doing such a great job of taking care of women. We're, the libs and a number of Republicans are trying to draft women into combat right now. This was a major political fight that Josh Hawley probably stopped, but who knows, it's going to come back up again. We're, we're so great to women in America that we are going to send them to be killed by jihadis in the Middle East. That's how great we are. Uh, I don't think so. Maybe this is a good opportunity for introspection. I don't know. You're seeing this right now on Jeopardy!, a dude just became the woman with the highest overall winnings in Jeopardy history. Women in America are actually put upon enough now that they can't even win the women's awards. Jeopardy contestant Thomas Schneider, who now goes by a woman's name and dresses like a woman and says that he is a woman, he has just earned more money than any female competitor in Jeopardy history. And Larissa Kelly, who previously held the distinction as the woman with the highest all-time winnings, just congratulated Thomas Schneider and said, well, it was fun to hold a Jeopardy record for a few years, but it's been even more fun to watch. Jeopardy set new standards for excellence on the show and off. Uh, Congratulations to Amy. That's the name that this man is going by on becoming the woman with the highest overall earnings in the show's history. This is, this is probably the most painful part (laughs) for women of this new transgenderist regime is they have to pretend that this is great. Do you remember when the dude, the giant dude on the UPenn women's swimming team beat all the women's records? And then the women would privately say to journalists off the record anonymously, they would say, 
you know, or not off the record, but, but on background, I suppose. And anonymously, they would say, this is terrible. We hate this, but we've all got to applaud because other, we'll be called haters. We'll, we, so th- this woman has to say, oh, it's great that the men are taking all the women's stuff. I, I'm really happy about that. They're setting new standards of excellence. The new standard of excellence, according to feminism and transgenderism, is men. That's the, that's the new standard of excellence. And conservatives, I think, are not really serious about stopping this. Right? Conservatives, conservatives still do things like They'll, they'll call men who pretend to be women, they will call them, bi- it's, he's a biological male. This person, Amy, they'll use the women's name, they'll say Amy Schneider on Jeopardy. He, this person, they pro- often don't even use the pronouns, is a biological male. As though there were any other kind of male. <laughs> it's the, he's, a, he's a biological male, but he's a spiritual female. He's a biological male, but he's a psychological, no, he's just, he's just a dude. And when you when you add the modifier biological to male, you are granting the premise that there are different types of male and female and that some male are kind of, they can also be female or no. I don't think conservatives have the chutzpah to stop this because in order to stop this stuff, it's not enough to repudiate only the weird sex aspect or the fact that obviously men are not women and women are not men and they can't become one another. You also have to repudiate individualism. You also have to repudiate the excesses of 20th century libertarianism. You also have to repudiate the idea that, uh, well, Anthony Kennedy said this in the Planned Parenthood v. Casey decision, that man has the right to create his own concept of existence. You also have to repudiate the idea that we can do whatever we want to do so long as it doesn't hurt other people, which is a dubious concept to begin with because when you have a society doing all sorts of terrible things, that is going to affect other people because we live in a society together because man is the political and social animal and politics in general is just what we all do together. So yeah, you're going to have to repudiate that. Are you willing to? Are you willing to say no? You can't mutilate yourself and get the surgery. No, you can't pretend to be a woman. Even in the confines of your own home, you can't because that is necessary. If you're a woman in your own home, you're a woman in public and we're all going to have to acknowledge that. Live and let live. You do you. you. You do you, I'll do me. doesn't work in a society. It just leads to social breakdown. And it leads to social breakdown just as surely when the conservatives do it as when the libs do it. And we're in this moment now where we are seeing massive upheavals of our our way of viewing ourselves and our relationship to our government and the way society functions. And and the, the the COVID tyranny has been really at the forefront of that. This is a great time to ask ourselves this question. Are we going to just keep going along in the same process of failure that we've been keeping up for years and years and years? Or is it a new year? Is it a new year and a new us and a new opportunity to chart a course for what we want our country to look like? I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Klavan Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production 
Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Today on the Matt Walsh Show, lots of COVID quote unquote misinformation has suddenly become information because Fauci and the media are now saying it. We'll talk about that miraculous transformation today. And I'll tell you all about my own harrowing encounter with the dreaded Omnicorn variant. But uh, Twitter has ramped up its censorship campaign against COVID heretics, even as many of their claims have been proven true. So we've got to talk about that also. Also, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez says that all of her critics really just want to date her. And the left uncovers a shocking truth about Ron DeSantis. You're not going to believe this. Plus, the top female Jeopardy contestant of all time is a man. And in our daily cancellation, we'll deal with the Atlantic writer who blew up her marriage because she was bored and believes that she has discovered some deep truths about life from her experience. All of that and more today on The Matt Wall Show.